Well, thank you, Miss Computer Lady. If you haven't already guessed, it is us, the Noise Brigade. I'm Bobby. He's Tom. And today we're going to discuss Philly sports heroes. So the last show we did, we talked about the negative because for some reason we always seem to lead with the negative. Um, is that is that the Philly in us, Tom? I think so. Um, I, I think that's why, like several episodes ago, we started with the worst. Yeah, you remember yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it just one of those things that the obviously the the pessimist side is, comes out first. So, of course, you're always going to think about the worst. But Neg- then things flip, and you're like, ah, let's talk about the good stuff. Right. Right. So we're gonna we're gonna get away from Negadelphia for a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna talk about some uh, some all time Philly greats, some all time legends, um, guys that will never ever have to buy a meal or a drink or pretty much anything in Philly for as long as they live. Um, a couple of them are actually deceased, so you know obviously that's another story. But anyway, without so you're talking about guys like uh, Jason Worth, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how, the, how? Wow, I almost dropped an f bomb right. That. How the heck did we miss friggin' Jason Worth? I don't know. Um, we won't get too much into him. Let's. Uh, I, I say we uh, we'll table him and we'll All do right. a uh, we'll do a we'll do a worst part two. Yeah, we had some other ones we thought of. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I yeah. just it'll be called the Jason Worth episode. Yes, yes, that that's perfect. But uh, you you uh, you did most of the notes on this one, and I'm gonna kind of uh, ride ride your coattails here. I have I have a few notes and of my own, and um, some players I thought about that that fall into that sports hero Philly sports heroes category. And the one thing too is most of these people that we're gonna talk about here, people that played in Philly maybe for you know an extended period of time, but not necessarily finished their career yet in Philly. Um, you know, they, they were traded or they end up signing somewhere else or, you know, something just happened, but no matter what, like you said, they come back to town and it's like staying innovation. Right. Um, so not all these guys, um, you know, some are still active and, you know, some might actually still be playing in Philly. So, but, uh, yeah, these are heroes and, uh, go ahead, man. What do do we got? Who are we going to kick this off with? All right. So we're start this one off with the original big E Eric Lindros. So he easily could have been on our on our zeros list um, to start, but as someone who redeemed himself. And the reason I say that, because, you know, I, I say that through the lens of a young person who was way too influenced by uh, 610 WIP at the time, which was the sports talk station. WIP. Jesus, I remember that <laughs> jingle too. I remember listening to it on crappy AM radio in my in my dad's car. Um, <laughs> but the biggest thing that I remember from being younger and having this situation happen is, you know, Lindros kept on getting hurt, and then the and this is the part. And I and I looking back, I was wrong. I was one hundred percent wrong. He was one hundred percent right. Um, but his parents were his agent. So a lot of it seemed like it was just this, this dude that didn't know how to handle his stuff. And so he was having mommy and daddy do stuff for him. 
And I think that that's the way that Bobby Clark looked at it, um, which Bobby Clark looked at it completely the wrong way because Bobby Clark is the one who's responsible for blowing up that relationship. Um, the organization didn't do right by Lindros at all. The, the medical staff, I mean, hell, Keith, um, Keith Jones tells a story about how he came into the, into the uh, hotel room that he was sharing with Lindros after a game. And I can't remember where they were playing. And, but he came in and Lindros was in the, was in the bathtub like gray and having difficulty breathing. And the Flyers medical staff told him to get on a plane and fly to Montreal with the team. And he was like, no. And Keith Jones got him to the hospital. And it's good that he got him to the hospital because he would have died. Dude would have died. He had a punctured lung. He broke a rib. It punctured his lung. His lung was collapsed and it was filling up with blood. Like he legit would have died if he would have followed the, the medical staff's advice and just got on the plane and flew to, to uh, Canada. Mm-hmm. And it, it, if you look at the track record throughout that time, while he was with the team, it was that kind of situation, not that extreme, but it was those kind of situations over and over where people were on him because he was not, because he was playing with a concussion. There were times when he he took the tests and failed concussion tests and they didn't tell him because they needed him to play. So they let him play with concussion syndrome symptoms. And so these these people just did not have any of his his well-being in mind at all. They just it was ridiculous. And looking back and seeing it now. You know, when, when it all went down, I was pissed because he was talking bad about the organization. He was talking bad about the team, talking bad about Bobby Clark. But at the end of the day, man, he was 100% right. Right. You yeah, know? no. And, um, you know, my thing with him, and I was like, I was always more of a, and you know this, and I think I've kind of made it clear here when we record, um, much more into the Phillies and Eagles than anything else. But I remember Lindros, you know, coming in, and he was like the guy, you know what I mean? He was, he was it, you know, um, especially in terms of early nineties flyers. Oh my goodness. I right. mean, he, to me, that was like, Oh my God. And I'm not, again, I'm not, I'm not comparing this, but to, to, to me is the, what the nine, 10 year old is like, uh, we, we got somebody that could be the next Gretzky. I'm right. not saying that he, I'm not saying that he turned out to be, you know, just, you know, making that assumption as a nine year old, you know, uh, that we've got this, awesome guy coming through and you know from what you just explained you know this is one of those things that yeah years ago uh it was kind of like really sure about this guy you know after a while but then yeah the team just did him wrong um and yeah i i i'm i'm with you on this like this guy yeah he could have fit on our zeros list you know but Totally redeem yourself. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. I mean, and that's the thing, dude. And coming into the, it's funny you mentioned Gretzky because you know Gretzky was the great one. Well, Lindros coming out, his his nickname was the next one, mm-hmm. and he was basically supposed he was. If you could distill the '80s into a hockey player, that's what Gretzky was. Gretzky was finesse. Gretzky was. You know, he was everything that the 80s as a decade 
would be as a hockey player with way less coke. All right. <laughs> Lindros was the 90s distilled into a hockey player. He was big. He was physical. He was just, he would just bowl you over, man. He was, he was polar opposite of Gretzky, whereas Gretzky would get calls made for him because he was the great one. He was the, the king on the ice. Lindros, people would take runs at him and he would get penalties because he was such a big dude and he was so strong. And he was just, if he could have stayed healthy, man, I shudder to think of what he would have done. He was more now. Now I will say he was more in the mold of a, of a Mario Lemieux um, than a, than a Wayne Gretzky because of the physicality and everything. And he was more predicated on, on goal scoring. Whereas Gretzky ended up trending, you know, he scored a, an S ton of goals. Like there, you can't deny that. But towards right. the end of his career, like when when he was playing and Gret and Lindros were playing at the same time, Gretzky had kind of positioned more into a playmaker role, and he was right. doing a lot of he was getting a lot of his points from assists as, instead of uh, you know from goals. And dude, it, you know Lindros, he was so fun to watch. He was just everything about him was just over the top, outrageous. He was I mean, he wasn't that off the ice. That you know that we know of, obviously it was a different time. So, um, but I knew people who were close to him, and he he was he was going out and having fun, but he wasn't being like super duper crazy. You know, like I said, it, much less coke than you would imagine. Um, right. And this, and again, you made a good point earlier too. He was young, very young, um, breaking in. Uh, I believe what eighteen. Yeah. Um, and so and if you look at it now, the guy's only 48 years old. Right. Um, so he's very, very young now. And he retired in what, gosh, it's been what, 13 years, 2008, years uh, 2007 or 2008. I can't remember. Yeah. 13. Yeah. I know it's 13, 14 years. Um, but yeah. And big guy, right. Six foot four, 240. Yeah. Uh, was like billed as, um, you know, and it, yeah, definitely one of those that I think, you know, look back on and for that time and if he would have stayed healthy no telling what would have happened there but for that first several years there uh my goodness um you're talking about one of the best players of all time oh yeah absolutely and and i and just to finish it up you know one of the one of the comparisons i put in here is you know if our parents had bobby clark he was their quintessential flyer eric lindros was our quintessential quintessential flyer if i can talk jesus um yeah that's a good way to put it and and one little fun fact that i'm gonna throw out there is he and his wife are friends with um kirk douglas or no not kirk douglas who's kurt russell kurt russell and goldie hawn no kidding yeah they actually have a they have a cabin together in canada i can't remember where in canada but somewhere and they go hang out there their families go hang out. Imagine what it'd be like to hang out with Snake Plissken. Huh. Oh, dude, that would be awesome. Yeah. Like, and, and here we are. We're so stupid. You know, Goldie Hawn, who is considered one of the one of the most beautiful women of her time, and we're we're talking about Kurt Russell. Yeah, Captain Ron point. himself. It's a fair point. Um, <laughs> what was his name in Big Trouble in Little China? Oh gosh, uh, I don't know. Put me on a spot like that, and I can't remember. I mean, he'll always be Snake Plissken. <laughs> Yeah, Snake Plissken. Yeah. So we'll, we'll just go with that. Yeah. But anyway, um, 
yeah, let's let's move off of uh, Eric here. Um, this next one, man, I, I want you to go through because I I know for a fact um, this guy. If if I were putting money on someone, someone said, "All right, who is Bobby's all time favorite Philadelphia uh, athlete?" and and I just had to come up with, you know, a person off the top of my head. This next guy is who comes to mind front and center every single time. And, and you hit the nail on the head, man. You hit, you hit the nail on the head. So next on the list is, is going to be Brian Dawkins, number 20. He was, if I could, if I could build the perfect Philadelphia Eagle, it would be him. If, if I had to just pick, you know, who to me embodies the Philadelphia Eagles, it's Brian Dawkins. Dude couldn't you could never ever ever say that he didn't give a hundred percent on the field. He was making plays, he elevated the level of play of every single player on that defense just by being there because nobody wanted to let him down. You want to talk about an inspirational dude. Watch some of his pregame speeches. Oh. If it doesn't make you want to run through a wall, I don't know if you have a pulse. Because yeah. he's just, he's ridiculous. And I don't give a crap what anybody says. He played at a time when it was probably the best group of safeties to ever play in the NFL. I would say that's who he played with. And to me, and everybody can, everybody's going to have their own opinion. To Steelers fans, it's going to be Troy Polamalu. To Ravens fans, it's going to be Ed Reed. Niners and, or to say Ravens, Ravens fans. For Niners and Raiders fans, it's going to be Ronnie Lott. No, I don't give a crap. You're all wrong. It's Brian Dawkins, bar none. I have his freaking, I have a, an awesome uh, print that you guys got me framed, hanging on my wall of him just drawn out of not only just quotes from his speeches, but his stats and everything. Um, he's just, he's somebody that I don't have to buy any other jerseys. He was the first Eagles jersey I bought by myself. You know, like when I had money and I was like, you know what, I need to get an Eagles jersey because I'm tired of walking around in a Charlie Garner jersey with the sleeves falling off. <laughs> I want a Brian Dawkins jersey. So I went to the store. I went to Models in the Defert Mall and bought a Brian Dawkins jersey and wore it and wore it until the seams started coming apart on the sleeves. And what did I do after that? I went and bought more Brian Dawkins jerseys because you know what? Any other player on that team might turn around and let me down. I know that that dude is never, ever, ever going to let me down. Um, you know, and everything, no one has a bad thing to say about him. The, the only bad thing I can say about him is it's not even his fault. I wish he hadn't have gone to the Broncos and yeah. I damn, I almost bought a Broncos Jersey when he went yeah. to the Broncos. Yeah. Now, and you make a good point here too, at the end that, yeah, I mean, it, it sucks that he went there and I'm still <laughs> making plays as a Bronco, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's not like he was cooked when he left. No, no, he was still uh, very, very capable, top of his game. And, you know, Denver at the time was used to having a very good, <laughs> strong safety position. Um, 
you know, I mean, because what is a precursor to him coming over was what the hell they had John Lynch. Yeah, they had Steve Atwater for years, and then they had John Lynch. Um, So, I mean, you had some really – that that fan base knew that coming in, he was going to be something special, you know, and they were used to it, right, Um, from from previous players. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I hated that he left too, but, I mean, it's one of those things that obviously kicking off this episode, it was a free dinner – Come back anytime, standing ovation. Oh yeah, it's a it's a no doubter. And we even talked about going up to uh, to Canton for his induction ceremony. Um, unfortunately, it didn't come together. But that you know, I've never really wanted to go to the, the football hall of fame as far as for an induction weekend. Mm-hmm. But that would have been the one time I really wanted to go. Yeah, yeah, that would have been cool and. Um, no, definitely. Uh, as as going through some of these players and the ones that you know we'll, we'll get into, he's always the top of my list too. Um, and and mainly because what's not to like, right? Um, you know, because he fit the mold of. And you you put a great note on here: hard hitting, hard on his sleeve warrior. That's perfect. It's a great way to describe him, and that in the, in the terms of Philadelphia athletes, that you know, are endear themselves to the city. That's pretty much all you have to be. Right. You know, put yourself out there and play the damn game hard. That's it. <laughs> and I mean, and he, he added to it, like, you know, there were, there were the theatrics, there was the, the Wolverine crawl out through the tunnel, you know, the whole weapon X thing where he had a separate, he actually had a separate locker in the locker room for all his Wolverine stuff. Um, and it had a nameplate that said weapon X. So, you know, it, he was just – dude was just – he exuded just everything about the city that, that he possibly could, and I loved it. I loved everything about the way he played the game. And, and like I said, you know, he, he never took a play off, and you could see that, and it was evident to anybody who was watching the game. You know, it doesn't matter if you've watched football for 20 years. It doesn't matter if you matter if you've watched for two minutes. You saw him play the game you knew he was something special. Right, right. Spick, stand with the Eagles, though. Um, we'll, we'll, let's go current. And this one's funny. And, and the, the only one that I could think of currently that I would feel in a similar way that you just described Brian Dawkins, um, and not because this guy has a Super Bowl ring, um, but right. maybe it's because he wore the most epic outfit ever, <laughs> um, you know, post Super Bowl victory. And his brother's a pretty good player too. Not an eagle. No, not an eagle. But not an eagle. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty player good player. Too. Um, Jason Kelsey. My goodness. Uh, yeah. Go ahead, man. This is so, all over it, dude. So Jason Kelsey. Like, all right. Let's be real. So. In my in my closet right now, there are let's see Mummer's outfit from Jason Kelsey. There is a Jason Kelsey Mummer's outfit. No, um, there's trying to think who's hanging it. All right, so my I have a couple jerseys. I have a white Brian Dawkins. I have a black Brian Dawkins. I have a black Brian Westbrook, who we'll we'll talk about in a little bit. And then I have a green Jeremiah Trotter, who could be added to this list. And I have yeah. Jason Kelsey. Jason nice. Kelsey's the newest one. 
got it for my birthday because and I and I've wanted a Jason Kelsey jersey for years. And he's so growing up, like I had friends that were fans of offensive linemen, and I never really got it. I'm like, nah, I get I get it that they're important, but why would you want an offensive lineman's jersey? Because and maybe it was partly because a lot of them liked John Runyon and John Runyon wore number 69. So it was kind of like, you know, but, <laughs> um, but like I, I knew people would trade Thomas jerseys and stuff like that. And, and I never really got it. And then I saw Jason Kelsey play and the things he was doing as a center, as an offensive lineman, where typically you don't know an offensive lineman's name unless they're screwing up. Right. Right. You know them. They, they have to be doing one of two things. They either have to be screwing up really bad or they have to be so good that you have no no choice but to notice them. And right. Kelsey was so good, you had no choice but to notice him. And not just because of what he was doing in the trenches, but this dude moved like a tight end. He was downfield. There were plays where you know, Shady McCoy or or whoever they you know was run was the running back at the time would be downfield and somebody's blocking and you think, oh man, the tight end got down the field quick or or wide receiver. That's a big dude for a wide receiver. That's not a wide receiver. That's Jason Kelsey. Because he would get out of the trenches, get from the center of the field, down the field, and be making lead blocks for the running back. And his his athleticism and how he played are just insane. And he's still doing it to now. He hasn't God, I don't even want to mention it because I don't want to jinx him. I'm not going to say nothing more about it. But dude is just, he's on another level. And, you know, that for me is the scariest thing about this current Eagles team. There's a lot of scary things about this current Eagles team. But I don't know how they replace him when he retires. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. Um, and I think that's the problem, you know, because he recently signed a new contract. Um, and thank, thankfully, so uh, with the Eagles, so he's he's here for you know a bit longer. But who who's next? You know, and that's the that's the kicker. Uh, I I don't know that these guys, in the grand scheme of things, get revered as much as you know quarterback or the the running back that makes all the flashy plays or the wide receiver that, that you know that tears up and gets ten catches for two hundred yards. You know. The, these linemen never get the the love and the things that you just described, right? Right. Um, they just they don't get it. Um, he does, and there's very few, as you mentioned, unless you're really just um, like, oh my god, why are they still playing? Um, because they they just you know they can't snap the ball. Um, guys that you know off the offensive line that you can even name, you know, off the top of your head. You know, and and I, I I even think about that at times, and I'm like, uh, the ones that come to mind, hell, they're not they're not Eagles, you right. know, they are they're not, you know, John Runyon, yeah, I mean, whatever, but gets some random guys here and there, but yeah, Kelsey's on a different level, different yeah. level, and I mean, and and that's besides the whole Super Bowl uh, Super Bowl speech. I mean, if you if you're an Eagles fan and you saw that speech if you're first of all if you're an eagles fan you have seen the speech you have there's just no way around it 
and then singing the song and everything, just everything, man. He, he has taken to this city so well, and he's just kind of embraced everything about it. And to the point where he's, he knows who the mummers are and dressed up like one. Right. So dude, dude gets it. Yeah. And you make a, make a good point. This will be a good segue into the next person. And just in, in overall, you know, we'll hit this point. There are certain times, whether it's one play, one speech, just one, a moment in time where an athlete and in particular, these ones that we're talking about for Philly that will forever endear themselves to the city. Him for the overall populist fan base will always remember him post Super Bowl victory wearing the Mummers outfit. That's it. And oh, yeah. giving a speech of a lifetime. Um, and speaking of a speech of a lifetime, this next guy <clears throat> breaking away from the football world in the baseball. And here, you know, it's funny, we could sit here and you, the, the, actually the next few are going to be off the same, you know, error, but really they all won the Super, uh, World Series ring together. Um, so we could sit here and we, we were talking pre recording here about the 93 Phillies, which we'll, we'll get into a little bit. Um, you could do the same thing for about the 08 Phillies. Oh yeah. But speech wise, it came from Mr. Chase Utley and they weren't the world champions, Bob. They were the, the world mm, champions. That's right. And I'm not going to say it because trying to keep this a family show yeah my goodness uh this guy you want to talk about somebody that came out and played like a philly fan expects the person to play oh my goodness right i don't think i ever ever saw a person or a player that just did not ever put 100 percent into everything and that was ugly to me i mean he was yeah yeah. yeah, he's he's the the Phillies equivalent to me of Brian Dawkins. That's a great and, way to put it. And he'll he'll forever beat. Well, I mean, I won't say forever, but he's my favorite Philly of all time. Um, and you know, not just for the the sound bites like in the All Star game in New York when everybody booed him because uh, when it was at um at the Mets Stadium and and everybody was mad because they thought that he hurt uh, who was it david wright or whoever whoever the heck they said it was a dirty slide was it the slide in the second base or yeah 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 it wasn't david wright um oh who was was that was it was it reyes might have been reyes yeah yeah in any event and you know the 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 camera's on him and he he hears them booty is boo f you like just yeah. he had he had a penchant for dropping f bombs on live TV, which is great. But no, nah, man, he he every single play, every single play, dude was just going for it. He was playing like his hair was on fire. He would run through a wall if that's what it took to get his team a win. And you know, like I said, much much in the same vein as Brian Dawkins. Like he just he did not know what it meant to not give 100% at all times. And you have to admire it. You have to. If, you're a, if you've ever played a sport, that's what was great about Dawkins. That's what's great about Chase Utley, is if you ever played a sport, 
they played the game at the professional level the way we like to think that we would play if we made it to their level. Right. And the, the one sad thing about him was, and you've made mention this in your notes, you know, toward, toward the end of his tenure with the Phillies, he had some really bad knee issues um, that just, you know, he had to go through some pretty crazy therapy and the different things to try to just even get back on the field. Right. Um, you know, and that, that, that was a kind of a killer for him and, um, and really at his, you know, end of his time in Philly and, you know, reason why he, you know, ends up with uh, the Dodgers, but, you know, it, it just really was such a great person to have as basically, you know, always had his foot on the pedal, um, never, never, and we'll, we'll kind of skip around here, but you have a great note about his shortstop for this, most of his tenure in, in Philly. Um, you know, outside of the, the the random, you know, if he's out or whatever. Right. Jimmy Rollins, who here's the funny thing. Um, if I were to, you know, be asked the question of who's my all-time favorite Philly or even Philly sports athlete, this is a hard one for me to beat. And uh, it's funny because he was the polar opposite <laughs> at yeah, times. Yeah. Um, because he, you know, very famously, um, didn't run out, you know, some plays and got called out by good old Charlie, didn't he? <laughs> yes, he did. He got called out by me when they were playing when, uh, so the year after they, they won the world series in so 2009, we took my dad up to Tampa to go see a Rays and Phillies game, which we got, we got destroyed. Um, and Jimmy didn't run out of play. And I think I remember post on social media at the time because Chan Ho Park came in and sucked. And I put something about like, yeah, you know what? Jimmy Rons and Chan Ho Park can walk back to Philly after this. And like, I, I was screaming at him though. I was screaming at him in the stadium and people were looking at me like I was an idiot, <laughs> which, you know, they, I mean, maybe they, maybe they're right, but. I uh, absolutely loved him and, I'll never forget 2007. As much as I always sit on 2008, 2007, I'll never forget seven games down, 17 left to play. And, you know, he had declared that they were the team to beat in the NL East. And guess what? <laughs> yep. And, I mean, almost as satisfying as the Phil's playoff runs in 2007 and 2008 was the Mets collapse. Yeah. And, you know, so sorry, Hollywood. Um but yeah, man, like he, Jimmy Rollins, absolutely the best shortstop that's ever played the game for the Phils. Um, you know, Larry Bow was good. Can't hold a candle to no, Jimmy no. Rollins. Jamal, um, no, no way. I love Boa. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And uh, Ke Kevin know. Stocker. Ooh. <laughs> Kevin Stocker to me, and we'll, we'll get into these guys. Um, he because for half a year he could fit that mold. Kevin Stocker, uh, what 324 uh, in the second half of the 93 season? Yep. Um, yeah. Well, we'll get into that. Yeah. We'll, we'll stay on this. Stay on the 08. Yeah. Um, before we get a little and, and we'll, we'll we'll kind of skip around a little bit here, but we'll go back here. Ryan Howard, big piece. Oh, um, heartbreaking. You know, 
here's another one that I re- distinctly recall because I had gone to game four of the um, divisional series against the Cardinals in 2011. Whatever year it was that he got hurt. Was it 11 that he got hurt or was it 10? It was 11. 11. I thought so. Okay. Because I remember it was the end of the run, basically. Right. Um, and I was in, we were in St. Louis and, um, and they lost. And I, and I was like, ah, oh, no big deal. You know, game five, uh, come back and it'll, it'll be all right. <sighs> and man, uh, end of that game was tough. Uh, yeah. Know, tough to, you know, the, uh, the blowing the Achilles running out the last play of the game. But you want to talk about somebody that could hit the ball. And you made great note of this here. He was the fastest player in baseball history. And we're talking baseball history here, like Babe Ruth, Bonds, Mantle. Griffey. Yeah, to hit 100 home runs and 200 home runs. And actually 250, too. I forgot to put it in there, but he was the fastest to 250. Just beat out Ralph Kiner. Wow, you know, and it's, 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 it's again one of those that had he stayed healthy. Oh man, and it took and, him a long time to get back. But yeah, you 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 wrote a note here. He just never. That to me that was, and and again that was not the end of his Phillies career. No, they ended that NLDS in Game Five against the Cardinals. <sighs> He just wasn't himself after that. No, he was a shell of himself. And what the thing that pisses me off the most about it, with everybody jumping on him about his decline in play after that, number one, if we don't have Ryan Howard in 2007, 2008, 2009, 2010, and 2011, we're not where we got to. Okay. That nice shiny trophy that we got in 2008, we don't got it. Okay. The other thing that people, uh, uh, people completely forget everything he did up to that point. And the other thing that they forget, or they, maybe they just don't know is that he injured his ankle early in the season that year. I want to say it was in June, May or June. And he was so worried about letting his team down that instead of stopping playing, taking the appropriate amount of time off, and letting his ankle heal, he was getting cortisone injections into his heel and into his ankle all season long. Well, what does cortisone do to ligaments and tendons? Yeah. It makes him brittle. So it's a direct result of him not wanting to let down his team and not wanting to be the guy that couldn't go. He pushed himself beyond the limits of what he should have done. And honestly, the the medical staff should have stepped in and they should have protected him from himself in that situation. But at the end of the day, he pushed himself beyond his limits to try and will that team to victory. And it ended up costing him the rest of his career. And everybody wants to treat him like he's this or that. You know what, man? Ryan Howard was a damn warrior. And Ryan Howard deserves everybody's respect and everybody's adulate adulation in that city for what he did. And the fact that there's still people out there that'll talk about him like he's a giant piece of crap 
pisses me off. Oh yeah, no, and and I completely agree. And here's the other thing too: coming up, like he's the guy that replaced Jim Tomey, right? Jim Tomey, like 600 home run guy, and you know, you you just don't walk into the majors replacing somebody like that. He did, right? You know, and and, and as you said, if he's not there, 07 through 11, we're not there. There's no World Series ring. There's no. You know, for anyone to sit there and and I, yeah, did I have my things with him when he was you know weak swinging later at the you know at at the end of his Phillies run? Yeah, of course. But like, I was never ever the person to say, oh well, he's just garbage. Like, no, it. Look, the man was hurt. It took him forever to even come back. You know, and you know, always a hero. Though. Well, and some jerk off threw a beer bottle at him too. Yeah, it just. It was it was absolutely ridiculous the amount of disrespect that he got, and, and I get it. Look, man, I shoot. I was calling for Nick Sirianni to be fired right off the bat, but he started to turn things around. Ryan Howard had done so much more than than Nick Sirianni will probably ever accomplish as a, as the head coach of the Eagles, and people just gave him nothing. They gave him zero rope, and it was ridiculous. He's he's a corner piece of that team, and like I said, if they if they didn't have him, you know, none of it happens. So, right, get off my soapbox now. All right, so but let's let's uh, again let's stay on the 08 team. One more player here because uh, we could sit here and you know rattle them all off, I guess you know. But um, another one that. I don't think, you know, doesn't quite get some of the disdain that Howard does, but uh, I don't think he always gets his fair share necessarily, at least like an Utley would, you know, um, Cole Hamels. And, you know, and not only that, like the guy was the World Series MVP. <laughs> right. Bef- before, you know, players like Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee were even a Philly. So, <laughs> right, right. You know, um, he was the guy. He was the ace. And, um, yeah, I mean, again, one of those guys that he uh, – boy, he, he had a heck of a heck of a run in Philly. And, uh, man, I, another one that I wish was one that would have stayed out the entire time. Yes, but, absolutely. Um, but, again, and we'll, we'll talk about certain th- instances in terms of um, – you know, microcosms in time here, like just one instance or a year or whatever. But yeah, my goodness, his 08. Oof. Oh yeah, dude. And wow. he, <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, 2009, he was a little bit, you know, he wasn't quite what he was in 2008. Nobody was going to be what they were. It, you know, no pitcher, if they had the year that, that Cole Hamels had in 2008 was going to come back and, and have exactly that same fire. Um, the amount of innings he pitched, the amount of pitches he threw, the the lack of an off season that he had following the World Series, um, there were so many mitigating factors, and and he was definitely not the reason that they didn't repeat in two thousand nine. He was one of the reasons they got back to the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, if I, I kind of, dude, I'm gonna be honest. I'm I still hold a little grudge against Ruben Amaro for not bringing in for not uniting Roy Halladay and Cliff Lee before, um, you know, 
for this World Series. We have Roy Halladay in that World Series. We're winning it. Right. And, and I mean, because Cliff Lee, you want to, dude, you want to talk about a cool, a cool player on the field. Like, no, like nothing got to him. Do you remember that, that catch he made on the, the liner that was right back to him? Oh, yeah. Like it was nothing. Yeah. Like, was it yeah. behind the back? Like, yeah. Just ridiculous, man. Um, you know, it's funny though, talking about these 08, and we we would here's another one we'd be remiss to say if we just thought about 2008. Don't think about 2009, but think about 2008. Who are we missing? Brad Lidge. That's it. That's yeah. it. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, yeah, dude. Because so, because we just went through October, you know, I always go on Facebook and I and I look at my my history, like, what did I do? What did I, what stupid crap did I say? on this day, however many years ago. And I came across one from after the World Series uh, when we lost to the Yankees in 2009. And it said, um, I'm going to go on a baby punching spree and it's all Brad Lidge's fault. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's good. (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, dude had a perfect 2008, like all the way through the postseason and everything. And then in 2009, again, he, he threw too many innings. I don't know what the deal was, but he was not the same pitcher. And, you know, but he got it. But without him, again, we don't have 2008. So as as much as I didn't give him the same kind of leash that I gave to to players like Ryan Howard and stuff, guys that, that grew up here um, in the system, you know, maybe I could have given Brad Lidge a little bit more leeway, but – Right, and yeah. I think if if I remember correctly, 2008 was the funniest year. Again, I could be wrong in saying this. This is what I remember. Like you said, Brad Lidge made it perfectly through 08, right? I believe he blew one save, and that was the All-Star game. Did Oh, what? I, you know what? I didn't even think about that. I think that's what it was. I think he was perfect in the regular season. He was perfect in the postseason, and the one game he blew was the All-Star game. <laughs> Get out. I'm pretty certain. I, I you know, not not entirely on that, but yeah, I, I and then he like had a seven something ERA in 09, which was crazy, and they still made the World Series. Yeah. Um, but anyway, all right. Um, but talk about like I, I kind of frame that in the sense to try to move on to our next player here, um, who had nothing to do with 08 and certainly not you know much of the run. But when the Phillies were down um, in the early the early zeros, how do you say that? Is that it? The the early aughts. Ugh. Yeah, no. We'll call it the early 2000s. So you you talk about a play that makes you forever endeared in Philadelphia. And you talk about a player running into a wall, breaking his nose, and bleeding everywhere, and still catching the ball. (laughs) It was awesome. Aaron Aaron Rowan. It was absolutely awesome, man. That that's a guy that will ever just walk into a bar in that area. Um, here's a drink. Here's a beer. Yeah. Has to. I, I, I can't see how he couldn't. Off of I kind of want to send him a six pack right now. Exactly. He, you, you have a good comment here. Um, Cause here's someone we could have mentioned on the last episode. Yeah. He was the, the anti Ricky waters. <laughs> yes. So Ricky waters, so in 93, we were playing against the, or was it 90? No, it couldn't have been 93. 
it was it was a game we were playing against the Seahawks, and so maybe ninety, maybe closer to ninety seven. And anyway, the pass was coming to him. He short armed the pass. Eagles were getting blown out by the Seahawks. He short arms a pass, and in the press conference afterwards, the reporter asked him, "What happened on that play? Why didn't you do that?" Or why, why would you short arm that pass? And his answer was, for who? For what? And then when Aaron Rowan was asked after the game why he did what he did, his answer was, for who? My teammates. For what? To win the game. I love it. I absolutely love it. That, that's one of the greatest sound bites in Philadelphia sports history. I absolutely love it. Yeah, he... He was in a, unfortunately in a time where Philly was very down, not a whole lot of winning going on. Um, but my goodness, did he play like they were contending for something? Absolutely. Um, oh, absolutely. You know, they were. They were. At the, unfortunately, at the time, essentially contending for the basement. Um, I hate to say that, but that's just what it was. Uh, you had a bunch of young talent around him that was starting to come into their own. And you could certainly say that plays like that may have sparked something, you know, like, wow, maybe, <laughs> maybe we got something here down the road. Right. We did. Um, but my goodness. Yeah. That if talk about just one play that really makes, and, and the funny thing is with him um, uh, kind of completely different from everyone else we've talked about so far was that he really wasn't in Philly that long. No. You know, I, I would say of all the people we've talked about, um, he's by far the, the least. So, because of what, uh, three seasons maybe? Yeah, if that, because he came from Chicago and then two, two seasons, two seasons. He was, he was 06, 07. So, so, all right. So he was on the first playoff team. Mm hmm. Okay. Yeah, he was an all star in 07. I, I thought for some reason, I thought 05, 06. Yeah, that's what I was um, thinking earlier. Like, I was thinking. Oh, four, somewhere between 04 and, and 06. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think he was like the spark that led to, you know, um, better times. That 06 Phillies team was still not, you know, they were above 500 and they finished second. But, uh, you know, the problem was the Mets were really, really good. Right. <laughs> well, that so. was the, so that was the year when. I don't remember. I remember being super pissed at them um, for falling short. And I want to say it was something that had to do at the beginning of the season. I feel like they they just sucked for like the first two months of the season and then turned it on towards the end. And I remember being so pissed because they're like, well, we only missed the playoffs by by two games or whatever. You know, and we fought right to the end. And, and my mentality was if you would have fought in the beginning – you would have made the playoffs, but you know, it, little did I know that was the start of of one of the best era, the best era of Phillies baseball, of our well, of of Phillies baseball overall. Yeah, and I, I just I, for some reason I'd thought you know you know because he seems so separate of that whole era. He really does. Yeah, uh, I I thought oh five oh six maybe, um, but yeah, no, it was oh six oh seven. So that's funny. Um, so yeah, my, my, maybe my memory's failing. <laughs> but now he, he just he, there you go. Uh, now fits the mold as as an all time hero. Um, 
And I think here's the thing with him, though, and maybe the reason why the connection's not made. One, he didn't win the ring with Phillies. Um, you know, ends up winning it with the Giants, um, but doesn't win it with the Phillies. So if that connection's not there. The other thing, too, is that he's forever connected with breaking his nose. <laughs> yep. Now, you can, for better or worse, I mean, that's what we remember him for is the hard play. So, um, but I think, again, as I said, I think that was a spark around everyone else to be like, maybe we're into something here. So, um, all right, let's move on, though, from him. Um, we uh, we kind of, you know, did a lot on the 08 Phillies, and, you know, we'll probably do another episode where we talk about some of the uh, and other players or, you know, people you mentioned here, but 93. And, um, my goodness, you, you threw some names down here, and we could just run through that whole roster, basically, outside of a couple names. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah go ahead man who, who got so it? yeah so I mean, my my big three with that team was was dutch so darren dalton john crook and lenny dykstra um they were the leaders it was clear that they were the leaders and you know darren dalton had struggled for so many years in philly he you know people forget that he started with the team i want to say in 85 you know 80 84 85 somewhere in that vicinity and so he was getting towards the middle to end of his career because he ended up going to the um, to the Marlins after he left the Phillies and and then retiring I think after '97 season. Um, but he was always he was always a Philly, you know. John Crock came over from San Diego, and dude, you want to you want to picture what people thought of the Phillies uh, and that team? John Crock, yeah, old Johnny yeah. One Nut. Um, and then Lenny Dykstra and his, his giant fricking tobacco puddle out <laughs> in the middle of center field. Um, you know, it was such a cool team. It was, nobody expected it. Although I will say this and I'll stand to this, I'll stand by this to my dying day. After we swept the Astros to start the season, I called that we were going to the world series. So, yeah. Now no. I think the only, the only other person who knows that and they probably don't remember it is I can't remember if it was my mom or my dad that I said it to, but they probably laughed it off. Said, oh, you're so dumb. But, uh, you know, but I said that when they swept the, the Astros to start that se- that season, I was like, no, nope, they're going to world series. Yeah. By far my, any, and I, you know, it's funny. I didn't say this, you know, as much as I will always love the 08 team and chairs, our world series win there in our lifetime, um 93 man my goodness and it's it's funny because i sit there and i remember playing um some online simulators uh through like what if sports you know you remember that yeah um and i would sit there and routinely play out like the 27 yankees versus the 93 phillies because i thought they were that good (laughs) like they're gonna have that work out yeah, the 27 Yankees generally win, but every once in a while the Phillies win win that one. And I, I you know, but it's it's because of players like Dykstra, and you you have this really ragtag bunch of nobodies. Um, they didn't deserve to win anything. No, but they were 32 games above 500. 32, 97 and 65 to finish out the regular season. They had absolutely no business being where they were at. Um, you know, they, they just were not 
a team that was built like anyone else. The Braves had run roughshod through the NL East for a long time at that point. Yeah. And the Phillies were just like, hey. <laughs> the Phillies, the thing with the Phillies were, was that team in particular, you look at who they had, Petey and Cavillia, right? They had Jim Eisenreich, who we both talked about. He's he was he's a personal favorite for both of us. Where you know, I, I had the, the good fortune to meet him and he was super nice. Um Terry Mulholland, they had, you know, uh Kevin Stocker, Ricky Jordan, Kim Batiste, you know, all these players that nobody expected anything out of. They were, I think they were, I don't think anybody picked them to have a winning record that season because they hadn't had a winning record for years at that point, probably since 83 when they went to the, the last time they had gone to the World Series. Yeah, no. And, you know, the crazy thing, too, really thinking about, you know, um, a good amount of, of, of the players that they had were, for, for better or worse, you know, outside of, like, Dykstra um, or maybe Dalton, uh, generally everyone else was kind of an afterthought, you know. Right. And here's the funniest thing to me. Who's on that team as a backup outfielder? Ruben friggin' Amaro. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, I. Junior, not not the not 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 the dad. Yeah, not his dad. His dad was good. Uh, Ruben Amaro Junior, or as I like to call him, Ruin Tomorrow Junior. Yeah. Um, Rube the boob. Dude, he sucks so bad, and the fact that he's tied to—I'm pretty sure the reason that Mitch that Mitch Williams threw that bad pitch was because Ruben Amaro Jr. was on that team and he didn't want him to win a World Series. That's that. Yeah, you you answered the question. <laughs> like he didn't deserve to win a World Series, and God, I I just I'm not gonna do. I, we're we're not doing Negadelphia. I'm not gonna talk about Ruben no, Amaro no, anymore. No. Um, I'm gonna say one guy that I I really wish would have made it to be on that team. Uh, because his his Jerry curl was on point with Steve Jells. Yes, yes. Um, nah, no. <laughs> but now, no, no. Steve Jells. I'm glad he he wasn't on that team because he would have just people would have slipped in the freaking locker room in his Jerry curl activator and cracked their heads, and we wouldn't have had a team. Yeah, no. I it's uh, I saw your note, man. I, I that you know that always gets me. Um, Steve Jeltz, you know, to me is the best, but um, no, uh, you know, but it, you know, it's funny, you know, uh, looking at people like him though, were unfortunately <laughs> who we had before the good time started. So yeah, <laughs> we, we yeah. might joke on him, but he was really it. <laughs> um, all right, let, uh, I think we, we we'll, we'll, we'll put the we'll put the, the the pause on baseball there. I think that ends our baseball players on this one. Yes. Um, and before we we'll, we'll dive back into the Eagles, but we're gonna be we're gonna we'll talk about one more non-Eagle here, uh, and I know one of your favorites, um, Wayne Simmons. Yeah. So here's the thing: this this current you know group of Flyers, there were some players that that could have been, you know on this list. Um, but due to different reasons, they're, they're not one of them being Mike Richards. Um, one of them being, uh, Jeff Carter, 
who now plays for the Penguins. Mike Richards is out of the league. But there was a while where Mike Richards looked like he was going to be the next Lindros as far as the next guy that the team builds around. And, you know, Jeff Carter was going to be his his John LeClaire. And unfortunately, you know, it just didn't happen. And those two guys liked hanging out in Old City more than they liked, you know, doing what they needed to do on the ice. Between Old City and Seattle, you could always find them somewhere drinking in one of those two places. Well, leading up to, um, I forget which year it was, but it was when they had they had gotten Claude Giroux, who's the current captain, and and could deservedly be on this list. He doesn't get as much love or as much respect as he deserves. But in that offseason, they traded at the draft with um, – they made a couple trades that changed the, the face of the franchise. They brought in Jake Voracek from Columbus, and they traded for – uh, Braden Shen, the, the rights to pick Braden Shen. They traded for Sean Couturier, the rights to pick Sean Couturier, who is another fixture of this fr- of the, the Flyers franchise. And one of the players they got in return was a guy named Wayne Simmons. And so I was like, man, I couldn't believe they traded with uh, Mike Richards. He was one of my favorites. Um, you know, Jeff Carter, I, I was okay with because of the return we got. Um, but I was really upset about Wayne, or I was really upset about Mike Richards. And then I started looking up video of this guy, Wayne Simmons, that we brought in. And I was like, wow, wait a second. This dude can play. And this dude, this dude's got some, he's got some Philly in him because I'm watching him play and, and he hadn't played a whole lot for, the uh for the kings but i was watching different clips and that he could hit and he had shown that he could score some goals and so i was like all right so let's see where this goes flash forward to the end of his flyers career and i didn't want to see him go because wayne simmons is another heart and soul hard on his sleeve just absolute beast of a warrior played every shift like it was going to be his last and was he was he was great man and he was great on and off the ice he was good in the community he did a lot of good work and it was just it just sucks that that he didn't get to finish out his career here um he was not the player at the end of his career due to injuries again you see that crop up not the player that he was at the start but man he was he was a good dude he's still playing he's uh Pretty sure he just signed with Toronto. I can't yeah, remember. Yeah, he's with yeah, he's with Toronto. Uh, Two year deal. So, you know, I, I, he's he's a good dude. I'm glad that he played for. You know, there was and there and there's a that's the thing. There's so many Flyers players in the, that are still playing and and have recently left the team that we could have added to this list too. But we were trying to just keep it somewhat trimmed down for the for the podcast um you know guys like scotty hartnell uh jake voracek who just left town like i said claude Giroux, um you know uh sean couturier these dudes are 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 just killers and it's it's awesome to have them and i'm glad that we have them and hopefully they you know Giroux is his contract running up he's the current captain but he's playing out his deal. Hopefully he's back and finishes his career as a flyer. Sean Couturier is still young and locked up, so we have a good chance to keep him. 
Um, but yeah, man, it, Wayne Simmons was the dude. So let's uh, let's wrap this up with um, some Eagles. Uh, we've got a few more here, and this this isn't like a, a definitive list. You know, we're, no. we'll probably end up doing a round two and. And, do we could probably and, do up to like around 10 on this one. Yeah, exactly. So we're going to finish off with some Eagles. And obviously these are, you know, ones that, you know, are going to forever near themselves. I'll try to go no order here, but let's, let's, let's throw out one of these that you've already talked about before. Uh, you know, gosh, I can't remember uh, when we were talking about it. it was early in the podcast, but Brian Westbrook. Yes. Um, you know, talk about somebody that really fit the mold, um, hard nosed, and just just a solid player. I mean, uh, who who doesn't love Brian Westbrook? Right, and um, he's still still to this day. You know, you, you see him. He's he's posting stuff about the Eagles. He's posting breakdowns. <laughs> he posted something the other day his kid, about his kid saying Dallas sucks. Um, you know, he was just a great player. And and even before you know, I gotta mention him because because I kind of always picture the two together. Um, we got to mention Deuce in this, mm-hmm. in this too, because Deuce Staley was was here first, and he was kind of the thunder to to Brian Westbrook's lightning. Um, and I mean, Deuce, Deuce, again, he was a little dude, but he would run through a wall. And it's it really sucks that he's not that he's not somehow on this coaching staff. I kind of. I still kind of feel like he got screwed out of the head coach job, but between yeah. Deuce and Brian Westbrook, man, we had some awesome running backs in the early two thousands. And um, it's a shame that, that they didn't get their, uh, their Super Bowl rings with us. Um, pretty sure Deuce was on the Steelers team when they won theirs. Um, but it, you know, great, great backs and uh, definitely all time, all-time Eagles and I uh, with Deuce, you know, I never had a Deuce Staley jersey, but my little brother got one for Christmas one year and I was jealous of that. I tried to steal it. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I have a Westbrook jersey and it, it's one that I can throw in from time to time. It's getting a little small. Uh, you know, something happened with with my with my washing or washer and dryer and and it shrank a lot of my clothes like a whole lot. Um, it's definitely not because I got fat. <laughs> and so, you know, that one's a little tight, but we could break it out here and there. Yeah. And, and you know, the crazy thing with him, too, short, shorter career, uh, only played nine seasons, eight with uh, the Eagles. But the, uh, again, one of those that, you know, and really, if you really look at um, him overall, he just had, you know, such a nice little window of consistency um, that, you know, outside of really his last year in Philly, you know, but again, typical of many running backs when they start breaking when they hit 30, um, which is unfortunate. He was just the guy, you know, very ran us through the, the 2000s, no problem, um, was able to enjoy some success, um, you know, with us. And, and uh, I, I, again, I think he's, he's, it certainly fits the mold of these players that we've been talking about as, you know, forever heroes. Oh yeah. He played his college ball at Villanova too. So yeah, exactly. Exactly. Been in the area for a while. I think he's from Maryland, but we won't hold that against him. <laughs> um, all right. Another one here. And we'll, uh, let's do QB Eagles. <laughs> okay. All right. Um, so dude, my, so Randall Cunningham, 
quarterback Eagles, uh, for those of you who play Tecmo Super Bowl. My biggest thing with, with Randall will always be the early injuries and the fact that his his quarterback's coach died. And this is something that I didn't really know because it all happened when we were kids, man, like like little kids. Mm-hmm. And and we didn't really know this stuff. But my dad would my dad, you know, was obviously an adult during that time and and would tell me about it. And because and, we would talk about Randall and talk about especially when Chip Kelly was the coach and and that offense and talk about, man, what if we had Randall Cunningham in that in his prime in that offense? And come to find out that that part of the reason that Randall took so long to progress to where he was, he wasn't really a pocket quarterback or a great passer until he was with Minnesota, which was towards the end of his career. Right. Part of the reason for that was because he had Buddy Ryan as his head coach and his quarterback's coach died. Like the he had this quarterback's coach that the Eagles brought in because he coached him up from high school to college and then into the pros and then dude died. And he was like a second father to Randall and that screwed him up. And then buddy, buddy's not an offensive guy, Buddy's a defensive guy, Buddy's offensive coordinator. If you want to know what kind of offensive mind, buddy Ryan had buddy's offensive coordinator was a guy we talked about last week, rich Kotite. <laughs> so that should tell you what kind of offensive mind buddy Ryan has. He had no idea what the hell to do with Randall Cunningham. He just knew he had this big dude that was fast, that could run, that could, he had a cannon for an arm. So he just went out and told him to do whatever he wanted to do. And it worked to a point, but that's why between that and, and buddy's penchant for turning defensive linemen into offensive linemen, because why find offensive linemen when you can use guys from a defense? That was, that was literally where half the Eagles offensive line came from in the late eighties right. was converted defensive line. So again, shows you what kind of offensive mind buddy Ryan had, um, you know, Randall didn't really stand as at all of the, the success he had in Philly was sheer talent. It was just absolutely sheer talent. And the shame is we never got to see what he could have been if he would have been properly developed. Oh, yeah. No. And, you know, the funny thing, too, I'm looking at, at his uh, career stats and uh, some interesting things of note with him. Um, he ended up in Dallas. Um, he, he ended his career in Baltimore. Um, the funny thing with him, uh, he's a pro bowler three times with the Eagles, 88, 89, and 90. Doesn't make it again until 98. And by that point, he's a completely different quarterback. Right. Um, you know, because at that point, he's not running as much. Um, it's obviously way more in the arm. Um, that year was his most of the air, uh, or second most of the air. Um, he uh, really, with the Eagles, that was his ground game was uh, he, he could run the ball. You know, he uh, had several years where he led the league in, you know, rushing yards. Uh, as a quarterback, um, of course, not like you would see things now with you know, like Jalen Hurts um, or, or people like that. But right, you know, you know. But for the time, it was pretty dynamic, you know. And but yeah, it com- completely becomes a different quarterback when he gets out of Philly, um, you know. Uh, and yeah, just uh, like you said, kind of revitalize the career a little bit, and you know, just. Um, yeah, it would have been interesting to see 
who he would have been with, as you said, not Richard type. <laughs> yes, yes. With a competent or even halfway competent offensive coordinator. Um, yeah, and head coach too, because Randall's there with us till 95. Right. You know, so, yeah. All right. Um, in that same genre, let's stay in that, we'll stay in the time frame, then we'll finish off with um, somebody special. Um, Reggie White. We have on Reggie White. The Minister of Defense. So Reggie White, uh, and again, you know, you, you can say different people. You can say Bruce Smith. You can say Michael Strahan. You're wrong if you say Michael Strahan. Um, but so many defensive ends that that have been great that have come through this league. Charles Haley. Um, Reggie White, for my money, is the greatest defensive end of all time. Played inside, played outside. Um, he could line up a nose tackle, and no matter where he lined up, though, he had to be accounted for. And he was accounted for with two players at least, sometimes three. So that one dude on your defensive line is freeing up the rest of your rushers, which you saw with Clyde Simmons, which you saw with Mike Pitts, which you saw with Mike Golick, all these guys that were able to just decimate quarterbacks and decimate running backs and lead the 1991 Philadelphia Eagles defense to be the first and I believe only defense to ever lead the league in lowest rushing yards allowed, lowest passing yards allowed, and lowest points allowed in a season. Um, it, It was incredible watching him play. It was extremely sad that he did not finish his career as an Eagle um he was he was the unfortunate victim of cheapskate Norman Brayman who for those of you who don't know was the owner of the Eagles before Jeffrey Lurie um and he's actually a car he's a car dealer mogul from Miami so you know he didn't give a crap about the Eagles he bought them as a as a portfolio enhancement and that's all they ever were to him he didn't give a crap that's why he didn't spend money in free agency. And that's why after Buddy left, when he when he fired Buddy because Buddy insulted him, and then free agency became a real thing in the NFL, and then everybody left to go play for Buddy, or in Reggie's case, Reggie went to Green Bay and won Super Bowls. Um, you know, that 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 is what it is. And it's just a shame that Reggie didn't. I'm glad Reggie left because he got to win a Super Bowl. I just wish he would have. I wish the the teams that he played on here with those great defenses would have actually had an offense that could have backed them up. Yeah. They deserved to win a Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. And that's the one thing that I always think about with those um, early 90s, uh, late 80s, early 90s Eagles teams, you know, defense was absolute killer and you can attribute that to obviously the people they brought in um the people they drafted um buddy ryan obviously one of the most defensive minded you know wizards of the game and again we just we didn't we just talked about randall cunningham too um but the offense was just there's no one there i mean don't get me wrong i love my calvin williams and fred barnett but right not getting a job done Right, you know, I, I, it's what it is. What it is, you know. I mean, 
Um, and, and we could talk about, you know, people that should have never left. Talk about offensively, Keith Jackson. Exactly. You know what? You picked my mind. I was just going to say Keith Jackson. You know, when your best running backs are Heath Sherman and Keith Byers, you might have a problem offensively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you have some pieces there. Don't get me wrong. Um, you know, but you end up leave, letting some some of your higher tiered offensive talent go. What if they stay? Right. What if Chris? What if Chris Carter stays? What if Keith Jackson stays? And I'm talking about over time. Right. You know that 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 team could be, you know, Dallas of the of you know that that could have been the Dallas team with the Michael Irvin and the Emmett Smith of the 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 early '90s. There, you know, that man. You know, the only through and you know the only thing I'll on. I'll disagree with you on is is Chris Carter because Chris Carter absolutely needed to be cut in order to save his life because he was so addicted to drugs at that point. Oh yeah. 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 I'm talking about his talent. His oh, talent. but yeah. What, what, what he ended up becoming, you know? Yeah. If they could have figured out a way to get him straight and keep him in Philly, it, it could have, that team could have been incredible. Yeah. Could have yeah. Been I'm, I'm talking strictly on talent and, um, you know, on, on terms of uh, statistically looking at that way. Um, no, no, I certainly agree with you there. That that, that certainly was in his best interest. Um, but yeah, you, you had some pieces there, but uh, yeah, just not a whole lot going on offensively, unfortunately. And of course, then at the time that you know Buddy Ryan's out, um, you're stuck with Rich Cotite, which <laughs> we've we've done due diligence with already. So yeah, so let's right, well, let's the, the last the last one on our list and. Um, for this episode, at least, is, uh, you know, the the man who nobody expected to to do anything, really. I think when he was signed, people, you know, people joked about it. Um, I thought it was a solid move, but I was a little biased because I had his jersey. It's not still hanging up in my closet. I'll admit it's not still there. It's it's put away. But Nick Foles, Philly special, Saint Nick. Yeah, I, uh, he's another. It's funny. He would he be the anti Mark Sanchez? I think he would. I think he would. Yeah. Again, but we talked. We talked about certain things like Aaron Rowan and um, maybe like oh eight Cole Hamels and certain things that we've kind of mentioned throughout this episode of it maybe it takes a year or maybe it takes a play or just one thing that will forever endear you to the fan base and um yeah you win a super bowl <laughs> you win super bowl mvp yeah yeah you're gonna do that good. you're gonna do that <laughs> i mean and and there's so much dude nick Foles' history with the eagles it's so weird because you look at it, you know, he came in his rookie year and didn't do anything. His second year, he bumps his head. Well, actually, I won't say he didn't do anything because I was at the game in Tampa, with which was Andy Reid's last year, where he ends up throwing a, a touchdown pass to Jeremy Macklin, like game-winning touchdown pass at the very end of the game, the Eagles win, um, which was glorious. Uh, but – 
you know, he doesn't really do much. And then the next season, he bumps his head, he gets a concussion, and he wakes up and thinks he's Peyton Manning. <laughs> and he throws seven touchdowns against the Raiders. And he ends up finishing the season with 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. Which is still his best season by far. Right. Overall. Right. So then the season after that, he's playing and he's not doing well. And then he gets hurt. And then in that offseason, he gets traded for Mark's or for, for Sam Bradford. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. That was a change so, of scenery trade, basically. Yeah. So we end up giving up foals and a pick to get Sam Bradford. And then he plays for the Rams. Doesn't work out that season. Um, he ends up playing the next season. The next season after that is when the Rams draft Jared Goff. And Nick Foles goes to Kansas City, and he's he's a backup in Kansas City. Um, and then he's con- he's contemplating retirement when the Eagles have you know the Eagles have just played their first season with Carson Wentz, and they need a backup because Chase Daniels was frigging god awful, and so they talk him out of retirement, and he comes back thinking, all right, it's a good. You know, I've been in Philly before. I know how it is. And and so he's, you know, he's with Philly. Doug Peterson was his was uh, one of the coaches in in Kansas City. So he's familiar with everything. He's familiar with the system. And then the Eagles start off and they're playing probably the best football that we've ever seen an Eagles team play. And we go to L.A. and Carson gets hurt. And all of a sudden, everybody just is depressed. I know I was. And we're we're just thinking, you know what? The season's over. It doesn't matter. Everything's over. Blah, 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 blah. And Nick Foles comes in. And Nick Foles plays competently but not great and doesn't give us a whole hell of a lot of confidence going into the playoffs. But we've still locked up. He does enough to lock up the the first-round bye and home field throughout, right? Mm Mm-hmm. But I succinctly remember people wanting, um, oh, who was the backup? Who was the backup? Nate, Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld, that's right. So they people wanted Nate Sudfeld to play in the playoffs. They wanted him to start. And, you know, it, and it one of the biggest issues was that Raiders game where it was like, what did it end up being, like seven to three or something like that on, on Christmas or Christmas Eve? It was a god awful game. It sucked so bad. We won, but it was it was friggin' bad. Um, so we go into the playoffs with Nick Foles and pulls off a miracle of all miracles, and and we we win the Super Bowl. And not only do we win the Super Bowl, but we've he out duels Tom Brady. That's it in the Super Bowl. That's it. You know, and and you know, I I I talk about these one-time things. You know, Super Bowl MVP, Philly special, and you really wrap your head around. He outdueled Mr. Super Bowl rings himself, Tom friggin' Brady, Nick friggin' Foles. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Talk about something that you're always going to, I don't know, buy a beer for. Oh, my goodness. It doesn't really. I mean, he, and it's weird. He's a, with the weirdest person on this list to me. Yeah. He really is. He's really, he's not Brian Dawkins. He's not Reggie White. He's not Chase Utley. He's not Jason Kelsey. He doesn't have that, that vibrant, boisterous, you know, you know, run into the wall, Aaron Rowan attitude. He doesn't. No. At all. No. It's like, and I, I don't mean to sound ill of anybody, but it's like they picked the geek from youth group at church and said, you're going to play quarterback. <laughs> and the guy wins us a Super Bowl. Dude, and so the you can't thing, not love him then. No, no, absolutely. And the funniest thing is he, like his dad was a football coach. He used to get helicoptered to games. Like he was definitely, you know, he definitely is a different dude. He's not, you know, he's not what you would expect, but he's, he's the, he was the man. And then the next season, Carson gets hurt again and he steps in and the team wasn't playing that well. You know, Carson was still Carson shouldn't have come back when he came back. Honestly, I think if he doesn't come back when he comes back, this whole narrative has changed a little bit, but he was feeling the pressure because the backup quarterback just won a Super Bowl in Philly. And there's a statue of him outside the stadium now. And so Carson felt like he needed to take back the team. He comes back too early, gets hurt again, can't play. Nick Foles comes in, leads him to the playoffs, and then comes very close to going back to the NFC Championship game, if not for an ill-timed drop by Alshon Jeffrey. <laughs> Alshon, you know, uh, yeah, and it's it's just it's wild to me, and you know, and the crazy thing is, look, he's still young, he's thirty-two, and here's the insane thing about Foles, the insane thing to me. He has never started more than 11 games in a season. That was with St. Louis. He never started more than 10 games with us, which is even crazier to think about. Right. Um, in, a, in a season, uh, when I say that. Um, he hasn't played this year. Um, it, it's wild. It really is. Because he's, he's, what, third stringer right now on the Bears? Or what's yeah. he still doing? Yeah. 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 And and the crazy – so the craziness to it is – after two thousand, after the the twenty eighteen season, and after those playoffs, you know Nick Foles wants out. He doesn't want to be the backup, so he goes. He gets released. He goes to Jacksonville, signs on to be the the starting quarterback, the number one guy, yeah. and then he get, he breaks his collarbone. And Gardner Minshew steps in, and Gardner Minshew lights it up. Yeah. So then, yeah. and now where's Minshew at? <laughs> right. So then you trade. So then they trade Nick Foles to the Bears, where he ends up. Um, he ends up playing not well and gets hurt again. And now he's the third stringer because they've they've got other people there, and Gardner Minshew who was the guy that took over for him in Jacksonville is now the Eagles backup quarterback. And the <laughs> guy that the guy that Nick Foles was backing up Carson Wentz is now in Indianapolis because the Eagles drafted a quarterback in the second round to take Nick Foles's place. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
it's it's the weirdest thing it, it just the quarterback shuffle that happened is just ridiculous and now you know it, we're not even sure if if Jalen Hurts will be here next year or if he'll be the guy or you know there's all kinds of rumors there's talk about trading for Russell Wilson you know thank no. god the the trading for uh Aaron Rodgers and and Deshaun Watson has gone away you know I god I do not want Deshaun Watson I don't want Tua I don't want Rodgers no I don't want I don't want you know and don't get me wrong I I really respect the world out of Tua Uh, I think he's a good talent um and 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 but the other three guys I'm sorry but like I don't like Russell Wilson Uh, I'm not saying that he's not a winner but he's not someone I want to move us into the future right um, and and quite frankly, um, I don't want anything to do with Deshaun Watson. No, no, and I also don't want anything to do with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, and and I'm not saying that because of like whatever. I'm just saying that the guys. And again, I don't mean to be an ageist. That's because freaking Tom Brady said he'll play to 55, and you know he's obviously what 44 and still figuring it out. Right. Um, but <laughs> um, you know, Rodgers is on the other side of what most NFL players age wise. I mean, what is he going to give you? Right. You know, granted, yeah, the guys. It, to me, it's like, oh, let's let's bring in Ben Roethlisberger. Like, it, you know, look, exactly. look, look. These guys are great quarterbacks. I'm not not taking that from them, but I don't want that to move us into the future. You know, right. I want to stick with either. Hey, let's see what Hurts has for us, or if you're going to make a move, try to make a move and sink your eggs into somebody that's like maybe not 37 years old. I don't know. That's just right. Me. Right. No, I agree 100%. You know, if Deshaun Watson didn't have the, all the, the issues swirling around him legally, um, you know, and we knew that he wasn't a scumbag and not saying that, that he is a scumbag, but you know, where there's smoke, there's fire. And there seems to be a lot pointing to him being a scumbag. Then maybe I would want him on my team. Right. Because he's, exactly. he's the youngest of them, but I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to trade draft picks Although, then again, with with Howie Roseman making the picks, maybe we should just trade them all for a new team bus uh, <laughs> that might get more use. But no, I mean, I, I, I just want to see the team build. And I kind of I'm starting to I'm starting to get more and more sold on Jalen Hurts, which is weird considering his passing has kind of not been great uh, as of late. But I'm just seeing stuff out of him that that has given me more confidence. Um, like the these the second half of the game that they just played against um, against the Chargers kind of opened my eyes a little bit to maybe him being the dude. So we'll see. Yeah. It, it's going to yeah. be interesting. The, you know, obviously the, 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 they they don't give a damn what we say anyway. Would I love to have a Mahomes? Or would I love to have, you know, any one of that ilk? Of course. You know, but I want to see what we have with Jalen Hurts. And I've said that before on here. Um, I really think that, you know, he's going to come into his own. Um, I think my only issue with him is that if you down the road him, um, he needs to develop into um, – and, and watching the game last night, um, Bears and Steelers – and just watching Justin Fields air it out a couple times, I want to see Hertz like develop into that. Um, just strong arm it um, and really be smart about, 
your 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 downfield plays and not have to rely on yourself so much because right. eventually that's going to slow down. Um, I just want to see him develop into you know an all around you know great quarterback. And if, if I could get somebody that's passing for four thousand yards and running for near five hundred, my goodness, I'm I'm there. You know, and right. uh, I, I don't I don't know that that's Jalen Hurts, but maybe maybe we get there with him. Well, we've got nothing but time to find out. That's right. So this has been fun, man. I, I love yeah. doing these uh, kind of look backs at some of these 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 heroes of ours, and um, you know we we love Philly sports, so we're gonna we're gonna hit that from time to time. Let's uh, let's let's plan to do something else that we we've kind of done sports to death. I don't have anything in mind, but do you have anything in mind? No, we'll have to we'll have to come up with something unless somebody. Visits us at uh, doublewidecoffin.com and and drops us a suggestion or hits yeah, us up yeah. on Twitter and uh, and lets us know or even on Facebook. Although it is coming up to be the holiday season, so we could do something Thanksgiving related. Maybe we'll figure something out. Or uh, I definitely thought I definitely thought you were going to say we will be doing a sale on double wide coffins. Oh, that, you know that's true too. Uh, Black Friday sale doublewidecoffin.com. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> we'll we'll give you one double wide coffin for one PlayStation Five. There you go. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, we could do a Black Friday episode on how we don't get anything we want. <laughs> we should we should do a Black Friday episode on us failing to get Playstations. <laughs> uh, well, so on that note, know, yeah. we're back to Negadelphia. <laughs> all right, all right, back. Uh, yes, back in the face. We're back. <laughs> so until next Uh, time we have been the noise brigade you have been our listeners and we will see you next time